All right. So it is January 22nd. It's a day before the Oscar nominations come out. And what happened, Eddie? What happened today? So uh, the Razzies nominations came out. And, uh, <laughs> oof, I want to talk about these. Um, interesting, interesting. I don't know. Should we start? So we're going to read them off just to see, like, okay, who do you think is the worst, best, whatever. Question, no, though. Should we yeah. start from the bottom and work our way up? Or should we start from the biggest category and work our way down? Let's go from the bottom to the top. All right. Worst screenplay. We have The Exorcist, Believer, Expend Four Bulls, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Can I Go Home Now, uh, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Look. Um, this is a good group. <laughs> like, everyone deserves to be here. Um <laughs> I mean, no, you're right. Indiana Jones is not this bad. Um, uh, I would say worst screenplay. I would give it to The Exorcist Believer. But knowing the Razzies like I know them, they're going to give it to Winnie the Pooh, Bloody Honey. What do you think? I Okay, so I've seen four of these films, and I'm pretty confident in saying that the four are better than the one. I'm going to say Expendables. You're going to say Shazam is the best one out of these. Uh, actually, I would say The Exorcist Believer. You were gonna be so lucky we're not in the same room. I love the Sophie's Choice aspect and the Avengers assemble of all the priests, but fine, whatever. Oh my god. Now, this next one is gonna be a little harder to judge. Worst yeah. director. We have Race Waterfield for Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, David Gordon Green for The Exorcist Believer, Peyton Reed for Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, Scott Woe. For Expendables 4. And then uh, Ben Wheatley for Meg 2, The Trench. Look, Meg 2, The Trench is not a great movie, but it's not like a horrible movie. It's just, it sits somewhere in the middle. It's not insulting. Mm -hmm. uh, David Gordon, look, no director could have saved The Exorcist Believer. And and David Gordon Green was the man for the job. Uh, Peyton Reed, Amman and the Wasp. Yeah, Amman and the Wasp is not great, but like it's not Peyton Reed's fault. It's Marvel's fault. It's Marvel's fault. Yeah, yeah. I, I did not see Expendables. I, I I cannot really give my opinion on that one. I would give it to Winnie Pooh, Blood and Honey, just because that movie has such a. It's the motivation behind it is what pisses me off about that movie. Like uh, so yeah, I would say he's the he's the villain of the of cinema this year of twenty twenty three. Honestly, nah, I'm gonna back Scott. Whoa, wait, whoa, because uh, I did not see Expendables. I, I would not be able to tell you. Yeah. See, here's the thing: Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is not meant to be a great film. They knew what they were doing. We're making a schlocky horror film, and that's what it is. Is it amazing? No, but like. One of them had a multi-million dollar like budget with a bunch of action stars, and the other one had like a hundred grand and some costumes. And I and know you which can one... sell that. Yeah, a hundred grand. If you told me that they took like ninety grand and blew it on coke, and they just spent like ten dollars on the movie, I will believe you. Jesus. Like the movie is bad. Have Not because it? yeah, I did, yes. <laughs> Wait, uh, who did you watch it with? Because Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is like an event movie you need to watch with friends, 
where you guys were drinking and like talking shit about it. I watched it with some friends on Discord and I was more I, I wasn't angry at like oh, they're defacing Winnie Pooh. I was like, this is made with such little love. Like you can make a movie about a horror Winnie Pooh. You can make it right. This was the wrong way to do it because you can tell that this is just for pure shock. And then they the lighting fucking sucked, so you can't even see like what's happening. And that's my biggest gripe with it. Fair. All right, worst yeah. prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel. At Men in the Wasp, Quantum Mania, Exorcist Believer, Expendables 4, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Still Beating a Dead Horse, or Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Look, the, I, you, I, I was vocal on how much I dislike the Exorcist Believer, but yeah, it's Winnie the Pooh. Like it's. I'm actually going to say Indiana Jones and the Dial of Still Beating a Dead Horse. Oh my God. Uh, I don't. My thing with that movie is that I, it's boring. And I know that I said that the worst thing a movie can be is boring, but I wasn't insulted. I was like, well, I expected very little because there was no need to make another one. But yeah, it's still it was still bad. You know what? Maybe it might actually be Ant-Man and the Wasp because the first one is amazing. The second one is okay. But this one, like, legitimately put the MCU on, like, a warning status. You wish. Uh, nah. Uh, nah. I'm still going to say it's Winnie the Pooh. Fair. All right. Because uh, that man, like, it still doubled its budget. Like, it's not... I don't know, like, Ant-Man is not terrible. It's just mid, you know? But it's not the, the worst. What? But isn't that, like... Like, okay, remember the part with Kang... Not Kang the Conqueror, uh, Modoc. I, I don't hate Modoc. I don't hate Modoc. Like, Modoc was not my problem with the movie. He was a symptom of a lot of the problems with this film. Eh... I don't know. I, I there's a lot of things I don't like about Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, um, about, about Quantum Mania. Mm. Kang, I mean, that is not one of those. Fair. Yeah. Um, worst on screen couple. Uh, any two mercenaries in the Expendables Four, the two money grubbing investors who donated four hundred million dollars for the remake rights to The Exorcist. <laughs> Anna de Arms and Chris Evans, who had no chemistry in Ghosted. <laughs> Thelma Hayek and Channing Tatum in Magic Mike's Last Dance or Pooh and Piglet in as bloodthirsty slashing killers in Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Who's the worst Oscar couple? As bad as Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is, this is Anna de Armas and Chris Evans award. I truly believe that we're never in the same room together. Did you? Oh, so you saw Ghosted. I did see Ghosted, yeah. I never saw it, so I can't comment. It's bad. And uh, there's a scene, which I've seen a lot of people talk about. There's a scene where they do a race to see who can get up a uh, flight of stairs faster. Uh -huh. And it's the exorcist stairs. And they okay. never comment that it's the exorcist stairs. It's like, I don't think they even realize that. It, they, they don't even make a joke about it. They don't comment about it. It's, it's like, I truly believe that Dexter... And the cast were just in in these in these stairs, and we're like, "Hey, look, some stairs. We should just use these." It's like, bro, it's the Exorcist stairs. Like, are you gonna make it? Like, at least when Shazam used the stairs from Rocky, they made a joke about it. You know, why yeah. the fuck else we used it? That movie has. If you told me that movie was was made by AI, I would believe you. 
I, you know yeah. what? I, I was going to say, like, the, the concept sounds good, but they just, I don't know. I, I can't con- comment, but okay. Yeah. Um, we're supporting actor Michael Douglas at Men in the Wasp Quantumania. Mel Gibson, confidential informant. Bo Murray at Men in the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, Franco Nero as the Pope in The Pope's Exorcist. Sylvester Stallone for The Expendables. Did you Michael see The Pope's Exorcist? I did, and I don't remember the Pope. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is not this is a good actor, but like, how how bad could he have been as the Pope? Uh, I would say Bill Murray as as, as in Amber and the Wasp, just because it's Bill Murray. Like he can. This is how funny Bill Murray is. Bill Murray shows up at in the finale for Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. and he plays the mayor of the of of Pawnee. And when the episode starts, everyone's like, "The mayor died." And they go to the funeral, and it's just Bill Murray lying on a casket. He's dead. He has no dialogue. And he's so funny just in that scene. He doesn't do anything, but they just move the cap, pan the camera to his dead body, and it's Bill Murray, and you start laughing. That's how funny Bill Murray is. He can be funny in his deathbed. I- and they still did not make let him. How did you strip the funny out of this man? I got nothing for you, man. Yeah, that's that's what I have to say about that. Um, worst supporting actress, Kate Cattrall in About My Father. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Megan Fox in Expendables Four. Bai Ling in Johnny and Clyde. Never heard of that one. Lucy Liu in Shazam: Fear of the Gods, or Mary Stewart Masterson in Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay, Mary Sue Masterson played a bitch in Vanessa Freddy's, but that, that was not a bad performance. Like, if you hated her, then she did, she did her right. job. She did her job, yeah. Uh, I, I can't say anything about Megan Fox uh, because I didn't see that one. I didn't see about my father or Johnny and Clyde. Lucy Lewin, just some Fury of the Gods hurt me because, like, she's a good actress. She's talented. She's funny. She has physicality. And they they just had her standing there with a, with a stick. Like, I didn't hate her in, in that one. Uh, I didn't hate her either, but like, it's same thing with Bill Murray. Like, what what are you doing? You know? Yeah, it's a bad use of your of your performer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I guess we'll that's, go with the, the, that's the one that I will go for. Yeah. I can't. I've never saw about my father or Johnny and Clyde, so I'll go with Megan Fox. I like Lucy Liu more. Yeah. And Finance of Freddy's didn't even make an impact. <laughs> so worst yeah. actress. Uh, we have yeah. Honored at Arms and Ghosted, Megan Fox and Johnny and Clyde, Salma Hayek and Magic Mike The Last Dance, Jennifer Lopez in The Mother, or Dame Helen Mirren as uh, in Shazam Fear of the Gods. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. I didn't even see that stupid movie, but I dislike her as a, as a principal. So Why? Yeah. Oh, it's... It's uh, she is not good at singing. She's not good at dancing. She's not good at acting. She's not good at really anything. And people keep praising her for this lack of thing. My dad has this quote. Uh-huh. He says like that and nothing are two nothings. And she is three nothings. Jesus. So um, no. Did you see the trailer for the new movie that that's based on her imagination? No. 
Oh my god, you're gonna shit yourself. Wait, the one the imaginary friend one with Ryan Reynolds? No, uh wait, what? Like what what movie are you talking about? It has Jennifer Lopez it's, in it? Uh she just uh like a trailer just came out. Uh I don't remember the name. It's called oh god damn it. What was it called? Hustlers. I thought she was good in that. Eh, anyone could have played that character. Uh I cannot find it. Now? What? Oh no, that's a just that, no, never mind. Unstoppable? No, it's called uh I think Atlas. Yes, I think it's no yeah, it stars Jeff Lopez. No, I don't think it's this Atlas, then I think so. No, this is me now. It's that one. It's called This Is Me Now. What's it about, though? It's about nothing. Like you try to watch the trailer and see if you can see if you can make it out. It is Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just an artful expression. About <laughs> look, I don't know, man. Look, I, I see you. Uh, you. You're being very nice. You, you're, you're giving her like the. You, you, you're being open-minded. It's very nice of you. Try to watch that trailer. And tell me that that's genuine, that that's like something that's makes sense, you know? Because I was watching that and I was like, I have no, I was, lo I was way, you remember when you first watched the Barbie trailer and you were like, what is this? Oh, oh, that's not like good. I, like I watched this and I, and I was like, she really thinks that she's doing something with this, huh? Well, really... I mean, she's, she's filthy fucking rich and she's one ring away from the infinity stone. So yeah. You're you're again. You're being very open-minded. That's very nice. If you watch the trailer, you're gonna be angry. Like I was angry watching that trailer. Uh, uh you know, I was angry today when I watched. Uh, a, you know, I'm not gonna say it. But okay, oh I'll give it a shot. All right, I'll I'll ask you again later. Uh, but yeah, I'm just gonna go with Jennifer Lopez out of pure principle. Because um, I, I I saw Magic Max Less Dance. Sama Hayek is not bad in it. Like, like fuck off. Uh, worst actor. We got Russell Crowe in The Pope's Exorcist. We got Vin Diesel, Fast X, Chris Evans, Ghosted, Jason Statham, Meg to the Trench, John Vaux in Mercy. Vin Diesel. Uh, John Voight just because he's an asshole. I would say. What movie was he in? I've never heard. Of uh, that. me neither. I have not heard of this first movie, but I don't really care for him. I kind of really dislike him. So uh, what's yeah, wrong? With just. Uh, he's a far right shithead. Let's see. I mean, look, he's been in very good movies and he's played very good performances, but like, nah, I'm I'm kind of done with him. Patrick Quinn, Mercy. This movie sounds terrible. So, <laughs> a doctor and a former military officer finds himself in a deadly battle for survival when the Irish mob, because they have to be Irish. Of course. Takes control of a hospital where she works and her son is taken hostage. Yeah, it just mm, does not doesn't sound great. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go ahead and just say Vin Diesel because Fast X was terrible. Like there was nothing redeemable about it. Not even more. There was one thing redeemable about it. <laughs> I forgot about Momo. All I remember is how bored I was. And how right. fuck can I be bored in a, at a Fast and Furious film? Amazing. That's the worst thing. But okay, yeah. so we're down to, to worst picture, and I'd say that they're missing a film. 
There's Exorcist Believer, Expendables 4, Meg to the Trench, Shazam Fear of the Gods, Winnie the Blue Blood and Honey, and honorable mention, Fast X. Fast X is the right answer. <laughs> but uh is is uh is Fast X your least favorite movie of the year? It might be. I have to go back, but I think I hated that film the most because it was so boring. Like yeah. if you take out Jason Momoa, it's the worst film of the year by a mile. I might have to go back and rewatch other films that uh that weren't good. But yeah, I think Fast X. I have my um What do you think? I have my like top ten worst of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, because this year I was able to make a top 10 work, because I did see 10 bad movies this year. Uh-huh. And um, two out of my list show up here. So I think, no, wait, three. Which ones? Well, for oh, sure. Wait. But what else? Uh, no, wait, two. Just two. At least guess. in the worst picture. Let me guess. They actually uh, Shazam. Uh, yes, you are correct. Ah. Uh, I, I also had Indiana Jones there, but it's not in the best picture list. Or worst picture, I guess. Uh yeah. Uh so if you want to know my top 10 worst of the year, it's number 10 The Flash, number 9 Leave the World Behind, number 8 Wish, number 7 Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, number 6 Shazam Fury of the Gods, number 5 Napoleon, number 4 The Exorcist Believer, number 3 Skinnamarink, number 2 Cocaine Bear, number 1 White Men Can't Jump the Remake. And those I feel like Cocaine Bear was a nothing movie, though. You're giving it too much hate because it's nothing. It's like hating on Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. We know no. it's not. You know it's no. not. Cocaine Bear like, sold itself as like, oh my god, it's going to be so stupid. It's going to be so fun. It's gonna... And it was not either of, the, of those things. It was, none of the, it was not fun at all. It was not fun at all. Not even like in a fun, stupid way. Not even in a campy way. Like It was just straight up insulting. I cannot believe that uh, 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 Elizabeth Banks directed that and then also like produced one of my favorites of the year. Like, <laughs> thank you, Razzies. Thank you, Razzies. That's very nice. Thank you for doing your thing. Um, yeah, so tomorrow we'll see the Oscar nominations and we promise, we promise that after Oscar nominations we have to do our top 10. So I guess next week we're going to do our top 10s of the year. Well, it's gonna be a long podcast. You better get ready. Yeah, well, I have my list ready. I'm not like you that that makes the list during the during the recording. So, what? I don't make my list during the recording. If you, if you make it like maybe like five minutes before, so no, I make it the week of. The week of. I did do a last minute edit once though, where I swapped out like a number six and uh, not listed because you mentioned I'm like, oh my god, I love that movie. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Like you this mentioned your honorable mention. I, I start making my list the second the year begins. Okay. I am in. I am all about the numbers. I got my letter back my letterbox stats from back back from the year. Jesus. Yeah. That's how that's how committed I am to this bit. You're insane. And I respect Yeah. Uh, some people have lives, some people have music. No, like really, I got like my no, what are your stats? stats? You, read them? you want to know my stats? Okay, I'll give you my oh. stats. During 2023, I logged, so I saw 141 movies. But that include—I mean, that like includes everything I saw during the year, including like documentaries, stand-up specials, things like that. Okay, okay? that's a little less. 
Yeah, relax. Uh, I wrote nine. So that uh, I watched a total of two hundred and fifty-five hours combined. Uh, the days where I saw most uh, most stuff was I don't know. No wait, the week eleven. Oh God damn it! That those tests doesn't matter. Don't matter. Uh, I saw one hundred forty-one. That so that means a hundred eleven point eight average per month. Or 2.7 movies per week. Uh, the movies I saw the most times were Bottoms, six times. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, four times. Scream, six, three times. I saw Five Nights at Freddy's twice. I saw Evil Dead Rise twice. I saw Ninja Turtles three times. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, the... Actors that I, the actor that I saw the most was Ao Edebiri, and the director that I saw the most was Chad Stahelski because I saw because I saw all John Wick movies. I'm so that was it. Yeah, uh, my highest. What the fuck? Uh, wait, what? Your highest grossing movie. Highest average uh, movie I saw was Across the Spider-Verse. The most popular movie I saw was Barbie. Mm. Yeah, the rest are just numbers. See, the I'm first movie I saw in the year was Charm School. The last movie I saw in the year was Aquaman. Yeah, I actually have my top 10 down. I just need to order them. I know for sure the top three. I just need to order the rest. Okay. My top three is the thing that I'm struggling with the most because I keep moving them like around in, in place. Yeah. But um, the top three are decided. Everything else is pretty much it as well. Fair. All right. Should we just... Should we talk about the holdovers? Let's talk about the holdovers. Come on, hit the intro. Thank you for welcoming us into your headphones. My name is Chema. I'm Eddie. Reviewing the holdovers, and this is the rollback. A curmudgeonly instructor at a New England pre- I don't I don't know if I said that right. A curmudgeonly curmudgeonly? What is that word? Curmudgeonly? I, I, I hate the English language with all my being. Uh, a curmudgeonly instructor at a New England prep school is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go. Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged, brainy troublemaker, and with the school's head cook, who has just lost a son in Vietnam. So this is the new movie directed and written by Alexander Payne, starring Paul Giamatti, Dominic Sessa, Devin Joey Randolph, Brady Hepner, Carrie Preston, Andrew Gurman, and other colorful actors. So this movie came out kind of out of nowhere uh, and started to get a lot of traction, mostly because of Paul Giamatti's performance. Uh, but Alexander Payne is one of those directors that I think we take for granted sometimes. He's given us very good, very original movies like Nebraska and Sideways and one of my all-time favorites, which is The Descendants. 
and he also did about Schmidt, and now he comes back with the holdovers, a movie that quite possibly, I think, would it be okay to call it a new Christmas classic? It's a movie I, that really captures that timeless feel of Christmas, I think. I think we'll only be able to call it a Christmas classic in five years, if it's still in the cultural zeitgeist. Like Bottoms, I want to say Bottoms will be a new like comedy classic. Oh God, I hope. But I feel like we can't officially say that until like in 2029 when teenagers are like, have you seen Bottoms? It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I remember like be- people wouldn't shut the fuck up about Superbad my senior year. Yeah. And it had come out in 2007, but they were still like, Superbad's great. So I hope Bottoms gets that reputation. In the same way, though, the holdovers, I hope becomes a new Christmas classic, but we'll have to see it really feels like one of those movies that has always been there, you know? It's a time capsule movie. And I, I said that in the video review. Like, this movie feels... If you want to watch a brand new film from the 1970s, this is as close as you will ever fucking get. Because the the filming techniques... not Like, before we dive into the story and the writing and the great characters, the filming techniques are from the 70s. The uh, things that have not been done in a long time, whether it's fade-ins for transitions or quick zoom outs to establish locations. That's all like peak seventies filmmaking that is not done today because it's looked at as basic. Whereas yeah. back then that was, that was the standard. They also um, used a lot of scratched filters to try and give it that old aged look. And that's on purpose. Even the writing, like the way that the actors like deliver lines in long takes, that's all old school filmmaking. Nowadays they have a conversation. There's 20 fucking cuts. Yeah. So, and uh, there was a movie that came out a couple of years ago called Meng on Netflix. And it was directed by Fincher. And it was about like screen screenplay writers in like the 20s. It's about the guy that wrote Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And the movie's also filmed like this. Like it tries to capture that like old timey style. It's even in black and white and everything. But I feel like that movie always felt, as much as I love Fincher, it feels like one of those movies that is trying to look like that and this one doesn't feel like it's trying like if you show me this right now and you told me this is a film from the 70s i'll be like yeah it makes sense you know yeah you see because it because even the actors that they got first of all i i I gotta talk about dominic sessa who plays uh uh the main kid angus tully this is a kid that they found that was studying in the school where they're recording the movie like they were like they arrived to film the movie at the school. They were scouting for location. And this kid just saw them and was like, Can I audition? And they were like, Sure, I guess, whatever. And he got it. And like having an unfamiliar face helps us be like, hey, this it, it makes sense. Because also he looks like what a teenager looked like back then. Because this kid is this kid was born in 2002. And he does not look like he was born in 2002. You know, he he fits the profile so well. And I think part of that is because I think this is his first legit acting role, right? Like he, he was yeah. a performer. So yeah. he. I don't know why he fits so perfectly. I think, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this and you want to become an actor or an actress, this is some shit advice that I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to stand by it. I think if you're a good stage actor, you'll be a great actor in general. Yes. Like, start on the stage and work your way up. Like, Denzel, look at him. He was initially a stage actor. This kid, 
Like, he shockingly holds his ground against Paul Giamatti in a lot of scenes. Like, two hands. Which is, yeah, which is not easy because, like, Giamatti is, is another one of these actors that is often overlooked because he's a character actor. He's usually not like a lead actor. But God damn, he makes this movie his own. And he fits that time period as well. Because if you if you made this movie and you took like another popular actor, actors that you can just tell, like, you know what a phone looks like. Yeah. You don't, you do not fit here. Like, get out, you know? But Giamatti just disappears into a role. Like he really does, and he he's so good at doing bits and at doing characters, and he he's always been like that. Even though he looks very specifically, he's one of those actors that like whenever he shows up in anything, I always smile. Like I love this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been watching him since I was a kid when I saw Big Fat Liar, and then he just ever since then, he, he's given us like classic after classic after classic since really serious things like Cinderella Man. Mm-hmm. To you know, other supporting roles like in Sideways, he was good in Straight Outta Compton. You know, he can. He's a guy that can do like a Straight of Compton. He can do like a Jungle Cruise. He can do a Twelve Years a Slave, and then he can do something like this. Like I, I don't know what the secret formula, but he gets it, and I love his character in this movie. He's like, I feel like he feels like a real person. Like I've known a teacher like this, you know. You know, one of the great things that I think that also works in this film is the fact that, like, and this is to Paul Gian, Paul Giamatti's credit, among all the other actors as well, a lot of yeah. chunks of this story are feel like mini films all coupled together. Like, you can take the part where, uh, like, the Christmas party, right? From the beginning to end, that feels like a little mini movie with its own little story. Like a little and, short film, yeah. Exactly. And you can do that multiple times with the trip to Boston. You can do that with... The very beginning where Angus is like, fuck this school. Um, like, th- there's so yeah. much going on in this film. And the thing is, it's so down to earth and personable because, and maybe it's because we're not too far removed. I remember high school. I remember the teachers I fucking hated that reminded me of Paul Giamatti's character, Paul Hunnam. And it's also funny because I understand Paul Hunnam and why he's so angry. <laughs> we're in the in between where we're kind of this kid in high school. But we're also the adult that fucking hates these kids from high school. <laughs> um, Very much so, yeah. Can you imagine spending your Christmas at school? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's a... Uh, I mean, in his position, I like that there's even a moment where they're, where they're like... Uh, they're like, why do you care that you have to take care of us? I mean, it's not like you have a family to get back to. Like, what were you going to do, you know, if we weren't here? And it's like, well, I wanted to read my mystery novels. And it's like, ah, uh, like, yeah. Like, he's, uh, I like when they show, like, the little moments of him, like, when he's doing, like, his nighttime routine, when he's doing, like, these stretches. And it's like, you know, getting ready for bed. He really does feel like a complete, total character. And I like that he has those moments. Besides his wacky delivery, I like. I love how he talks to the students, and there's a moment where it was in the trailers and it was everywhere. But it's the funniest part of the movie, which is when uh, uh, Tully gets upset at him and starts yelling at him, and, and, and it's like, "Mr. Tully, if you keep mouthing off again, I'm gonna give you detention. You're gonna get detention." It's like being with you, it's already like detention. Then he goes, "Son of a bitch, that's another detention." Like, 
Oh. Yes, yes, he gets it. There's also so after he throws that tantrum and he runs run to the gymnasium and does the flipboard and like severs his arm. Paul yeah. Giamatti's face of like hard, he's like. Yeah, and even like the little zoom they do to his face, like it's so seventies. Yeah, and a freeze frame to the trailer. It's a freeze frame. <laughs> um, but okay, I wonder, and I, I mean no offense to anyone, how did Paul Giamatti get the the eye? Was oh, that lens. Do you know how? Uh, I'm guessing makeup. I'm guessing maybe a little bit of digital effects, but because of all the filters that they're doing to the to the film, it it helps. Uh, I have no idea. Did you notice that it kept changing? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what these guys do. Like they they're lazy because they're just jumping around their own way. Yeah. Um. So man, I don't know how they did it, but like it's one of those things that like yeah, you are watching it and you're like, how did they do that? Yeah, and yeah. there aren't many effects left where we can be like, how did they do that? Most of you assume it's either practical or CGI. And that eye makes me go, what the fuck? How? Yeah. Oh. Uh, unless it's like uh, like the clown from it that could just do it on command, you know. I, I don't know if Paul could do that. If he can, he deserves that Oscar just on that alone. Because y'all can cry, bitch. My eyes can go in other ways. Did you we see? Are- uh, did you see what happened after he won the Golden Globe for it? No. For this. So he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor. And they took they they found him in like a burger place, and he was just eating a burger with like his his award just like standing on like the little table. What? It's hey, and then he won like another award a week later, and he's like, "This is the best thing that's ever happened to me ever since I went viral for eating a burger." Really? Oh my god! I I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, honey burger. Uh, yeah. Holy shit! And he's in a suit. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> He's I, think, I, I think it's an in and out, yeah. <laughs> I don't think my week could get any better than going viral for eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> Damn, in it, if in and out was smart, they would do a Super Bowl ad with him. Oh, yeah. Damn. Just give him, just give him like a ton of money. Like, he's so... I really like him. I really like Ball Giamatti. So it's really cool to see him like get to this point where like he really does deserve the attention, you know? I don't know how the uh, how the Oscar nominations are going to come out, but he's definitely a lock, and I think he could he could matter he could win just out of this performance. I think the best thing about this performance, and we haven't talked about it yet, I think yeah, the story is so human. Definitely, like, like this is not, and and you know what I say, I'm tired of end of the world films. This story feels like something my uncle went through and he's telling me about it. Let me tell you about this one time in the seventies where I was stuck at school. Cause your grandparents like left me there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uncle lore pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like uncle lore. Like it's like, let me tell you about this happen. Cause also the story doesn't take place over the course of years. It takes place over the course of about two weeks. And these two people yeah. who vehemently did not like each other over the course of two weeks, understand each other better than most ever could. Um, between Ang- and Angus is the one that kind of offers the first olive branch. He lies for him at the hospital. Remember? Yeah. He gets injured and and uh Paul is like, I'm gonna lose my fucking job. I'm gonna lose my job. And and Angus is adamant, please, please don't make us go through the insurance. We'll pay cash. My mom can't know about this. I never get to see my dad ever, ever. Which that nurse must have been like, This is your fucking dad. Yeah, but it's the 70s. Come on. Like 
Come on. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, like he, he offers to lie to him first, and it snowballs, and they're active characters in their stories because it snowballs into the Christmas invite, which snowballs into Paul Giamatti feeling bad and being like, fuck it, where do you want to go? You want to go to Boston? Fuck it, let's go to Boston. Um, and it snowballs so much of the story, and and what was one I want to talk about it, but I want to ask you first. What was your favorite scene? What was one of your favorite scenes in the movie? Oh God. Um I really like the ending. I really like uh how uh, Giamatti takes the fall. Mm-hmm. And I really like how it's like a full circle thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um like he he is stuck working at that school. And I think we both felt that point, you know, where you're at a job and you're like, God damn it, like why am I still here? Why am I not doing anything else? But you kind of lack the motivation to get out of there, you know? Or kinda you feel like trapped that. like you can. Or you feel trapped like you can. Like everything is just going to come down. And I like how that comes up throughout the entire movie. You know, ever since the beginning when he's talking with uh, with uh, the cook, uh, Mary Lamb. We, we're going to talk about the B. Joy Randolph in a second. But I like how that ending not only helps Tully into like, you know, hey... He's not. He's never gonna forget this. Like he's never gonna forget what, what, uh, what Mr. Harnum did for him. But also, like Mr. Harnum is free now. Yeah. Like, what is he gonna do? He's gonna stay with his brother for a couple of days, for a couple of weeks, and then gonna redo his life. And that's good. I like seeing that. Like, if they had both gone back and become best friends at a at a, at a school, it's not this. It doesn't hit the same. Yeah. And a movie like this needs to end on a positive note. And I like that. This movie portrays starting over as a positive note. So I think the ending is my favorite part. How about you? Um, for me, well, I, as far as the ending is concerned, and I'll, I'll jump back, uh, but I think this movie is a coming-of-age tale in multiple ways than one, as far as, like, Paul here. So, okay, I'll go through my... You know what? I can connect this to my favorite scene. My favorite scene in the film is actually, and it's only, like, 30 seconds, it's when Angus sneaks away, gets in the taxi, and Paul hunts him down and says, get out there, you little shit. And he's like, please, please, I need to go do this. You can come with me. It's okay. The whole time throughout the movie, he's been saying how he wants to go to Boston. I, probably like much of the audience, assumed he wanted to go like sightseeing. Like, oh, it's the big city. Let's go to Boston. He says, no, I want to go see my dad. And Paul says, is that what this is? Why didn't you just ask me? Of course we can go to a cemetery. Because Angus even tells him my dad's dead. Yeah. Well, no. It turns out his dad is in a mental institution. Mental institution. Um, I think they mentioned that he has schizophrenia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it's schizophrenia. Um, suffering through mental issues, violent outbursts. He's in a psychiatric hospital. And I'm sure, I don't know if it's this thing of shame for him, or he was just told to say that his dad is gone by his mom. But he gets to go see him. And that one moment of understanding where Paul is like, I get it, go. A very human and touching moment. That leads into uh, one of my favorite conversations of the film, which is Angus saying, I'm scared that that's going to be me. Because, and we know this now, but they know that back then. It is somewhat genetic. Somewhat, if you're predisposed to those things, there's a higher likelihood that you're going to suffer. Not guaranteed but it's possible. Mm -hmm. And Paul tells Angus the thing I think Paul wishes he had heard, which is 
you are not your father. You can be your own man. I think Paul wishes that he had been told that when he was younger, when he was Angus's age. So he could have tried more, done more things. I think Paul lives with that regret that I'd argue everyone lives with. There's something that you regret that you didn't do, that you didn't take advantage of, that you didn't try. Um, and I love that this feels like a bit of a coming of age story, or at least like a growing up story for the both of them. It's not just Angus realizing he can be his own person, but Paul realizing I need to move forward with my life. And he only learned that lesson because Angus showed him. Damn. It's, there's so yeah. much good in this. They really help each other out. And that's and the way that this is told. It's it's just wonderful. Uh, speaking of, you know, being there for each other, we also got to talk about the Bean Joy Randolph as Mary Lamb, which, who is the cook that sticks with them throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have liked her in pretty much everything I've seen her in. Like, I really liked her in Dolomite Is My Name, which is the first time that I saw her in. She was funny and she was serious and she could do like a lot. She played Sandra Bullock's agent in The Lost City and I thought she was wasted in that. Like they did not let her be funny at all. And so I wanted to, but I see her and I'm like, she can be funny. She can be funny. Like let her be funny. I didn't know she could do serious as well because her performance in this is both touching and funny, but also like very endearing. Like she is also a lot for best supporting actress, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. But her and yeah. I and I would never consider her like like I would have never considered seeing her in a project like this, like probably close to Oscar Gold. Mm-hmm. And no, she she nails it. She's great. Mm-hmm. I think um her her role, her acting, her story in this is it hurts. It hurts my heart because and I think I said this in the Iron Claw, no mother should ever have to bury their son. Parents should not have to bury their children. And unfortunately, we see the depiction after the fall, right? Like normally most movies end with the kid passing away or, you know, at the funeral. And that's it. We we cut it off there. No, she's forced to carry the burden onward, you know, beyond that, beyond, you know, the burial. The pain of having a Christmas without your son or your daughter is just, it's awful. Um, and moreover than that, um mary lamb has a breakdown at the christmas party my son should be here he should be here where is he because yeah it's hard and and i love that they don't shy away from from this one thing i'm not gonna say the holdovers is a big political film because it's not but it's not it'd be irresponsible if we didn't mention the fact that the vietnam war is looming heavily in the background with her son's death and Angus being worried that if he gets enrolled in the military school, he will probably be sent away and possibly he'll he'll die. He might die. Um, so it's it's hanging in the background. Also, I do want to say uh, for Miss uh, Randolph, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. She, I think the best actors are often at times comedians. Because if you can't Definitely. do funny, if you can do funny, you can do serious. Because what do comedians do? They got to turn it on in single moments, guys. Are we all ready? Let's go up. Let's do this. They have to be able to turn it on instantaneously. So if you can do comedy, chances are you will be great at, at something serious, at, at drama. Um, Jim Carrey, uh, Paul Giamatti is funny. 
So you know he's going to be good when it comes to getting serious. Um, Adam Sandler, same thing. He is funny when he wants to be, but he can get serious when he needs to also. I just think that's the trait of a great actor. When I was in, I think, my junior year of college, mm-hmm. I was taking this history class. I think I was a sophomore or a junior. And the professor came in and showed us a couple episodes of the John Adams show. Remember that one? Like the miniseries? Yes, I remember that. Where, where Giamatti plays John Adams? Yeah. And I remember, like, he showed up in, like, the the, the whole outfit. And I went, like, oh, yay, Giamatti. Hell, yeah. <laughs> it was not funny. Like, at, at all. all. <laughs> yeah. But he commanded the fuck out of that show. Yeah. You know? uh, so ever since then, I've, I've been like, this is a special guy. This is a special little guy. Um, he, he There's something really that's great about him and he should get his due and i'm really glad that he finally got this one i think this might be my lock this might be my my choice to win best actor i think it's him uh, hopefully I, I you know it's crazy how paul giamani can play anything and everything from the coach for a boxer to to the rhino funny enough oh uh, yeah something like this uh which by the way just for the record if i had been in charge of the dceu he would have been my penguin by a mile Oh my god, he would kill it as a penguin. Exactly. Imagine him with, with an attitude or a complex of like, people like you have always looked down on me and always underestimated me. And you know what happens? I always win. Like, come on, tell me he wouldn't pull that off. God damn, he would. He uh, would. But yeah, so Paul Giamani, uh, great, great performance in this. Great storytelling. I love the ending where he's leaving and he steals the bottle of liquor. He's oh, like, yeah. give a shot. It's a very human performance, as human as they could. Yeah. And I like that it's a character. Like, I like that it's not... I think it's so much harder to play an original character than it is to play, like, an adapted character. Mm-hmm. Because you got to make it your own, like, to the point where you can't imagine another actor playing him. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I think the opposite. I think it's easier to play an original character because you're the one that gets to decide how he goes. Paul Giamani was the one that decided, okay, when I move, I'm going to favor this part of my leg. When when I drink, I'm going to favor this. I'm going to try to hold the pipe this way. You get to get creative. You get to create the character your own. Paul Hunnam, from now on, from this, this point forward, will always be a extension of Paul Giamani. I agree with you on the second part, but I still think that creating an original character is so much harder mm-hmm. because if you play a character that already exists, you can use them for reference and you can make your own remix on, on things. But on this one, if something fails, if something doesn't work, mm-hmm. it's because you put out of your own you know, choices. Mm-hmm. And this, I think it's so much harder. And like when they do like the, uh, like the awards... I think it looks so much better when it's like, oh, look at these performances and it's all original characters instead of like, oh, biopics, you know? Yeah. Uh, no no shade towards anyone, like specifically, really. Um, there were a lot of good performances this year and everything, but there's just something very special about this one. And I like that he does have his sad moments. He does have his, his difficult moments, but there's a lot of joyous and human moments, especially the ending. Yeah. Um, that, that scene when they go to the museum... Uh, the yeah. Roman, the museum with Roman stuff, and he's like, "Look at that!" And it's it's Roman pornography on <laughs> on the pottery, and he's like, 
And he says something that I think is legit. He says, every generation thinks that they're the ones that invented debauchery. No. Look at history. No. <laughs> I, lo I love those little scenes like that. I, oh, damn, this character's great. Yeah. Um, um My only... I, I, I don't really have complaints about this movie. I will say it's a little too long. Wow, I have the opposite complaint. You think it could have been longer? I wish we would have had a little more time with those little bastards at the beginning. They do live pretty fast. Yeah. Like they leave like the, the day after like all the shit starts. I kind of wish we had had a little more time to roll with them, to grow, and then we realize, oh, they left. Now we're just stuck with Giamani and this asshole. Yeah. Which uh, is funny because like the movie's two hours and 13 minutes. It feels longer. It does. I feel like it could have been longer though. I would not have minded some extra scenes of of uh, Paul dealing with the boys, the boys like being like, we're going to reunite against this guy. We're going to hate this guy. We're all in this together. What? My dad's here? All right. Laters and everyone takes off except for Angus. Like, turn it on his head. Because I didn't know Angus was going to be by himself. I thought he was one of multiple kids. Because all, all those kids look the same to me. Well, most of them look the same. <laughs> yeah, most of them do, do look the same. Um, no, I, I'll be honest. I'm really glad that this was a streaming movie. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I found it, you know, better. Uh, Jess and I tried to watch this in theaters. Mm -hmm. But by the time we were looking for movies, like, it was already taken out. Because literally, we wanted to see it one day. And that day, they took it out of theaters. And they put it on Peacock. Damn. So we're like, well, there there, there goes that train. So that's when we watch anyone but you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One door closes, another door opens. Yeah. I mean, we also wanted to see... Uh, God, uh, boy in the harem, but uh, just time-wise didn't work out. Um, but no, uh, this was a good movie to watch at home. Like, there's something about like the movie feels so cozy. So watching it at home with like blankets, you know, I watched it a day when it was raining. Yeah, I had like I had a couple of pieces of pan dulce, you know. So like it was it was a good it was a good time. It was a good a good watch. Um, I don't regret watching it like that. Um, but I do think it's a little too long um, in a way that I feel like most movies from back then and because it looks and feels like a 70s movie and those movies already feel longer than normal because they have a different pacing I'm not saying it's bad I'm saying that like I was checking my phone a couple times while watching it yeah. which is not what you want to hear I do like it it's not going to end up in my top 10 but I will give it a 4 out of 10 I mean a 4 out of 5 I was going to be in the 4 damn man you didn't like yeah. it Oh, no, I did. I I did, but it's it's not gonna end up in my top ten. Yeah. I'm gonna give it an A, A minus. It's you really liked it, yeah. I I find something lovely about the fact that I can relate to both of them. On one side, like I was trapped at Enterprise for three years, and I didn't want to be there. So I understand Paul. I understand yeah. the idea of like regret of like you wish you had gone this way instead of that way, or also yeah. hating the rich kid because the rich kid. Oh, we didn't even mention that. Paul doesn't have a degree because uh, because he he got ousted from Harvard for a cheating scandal that wasn't his fault. But because the other yeah. kid was rich, he lost, which is a very real and relatable story. Um, so I related to Paul, but also Angus in the fact of like he wants to be his own man. He wants to he's too mature for this, guys. Like all that stuff. I understood both sides. I really liked it. I don't think it'll be on my top 10, but I really enjoyed it. 
You're just reminding me. One of my favorite lines in the movie is when uh, uh, Lady, sorry, Mary Lamb is like, uh, is like, yeah, rich, rich and dumb, popular combination around here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, pretty. Uh, if if you have, if you're still considering like watching this movie, definitely watch it. Like it is one to watch. Keep it alive. Keep watching it in, in, during, during Christmas time. It really is a movie that will get you into the mood. Um, yeah, very much enjoy this one. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, next week, be prepared for our top 10. It will be a long fucking episode. I can already imagine. Top 10 movies of 2023. I'm calling it now. I am... What? I'm calling it now. It's going to be like two hours. Maybe. Uh, I'll try to not do a full review for each one. God, it's just like, it sucks because like I have like my top 15, I would say so, like my top 15 and those those are all fluctuating, just like moving Shit. around. Okay. Yeah, it's tough. It's difficult, but uh, there's a part of me that's like, I like this one more than this one, but I want to talk more about this one. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, that covers everything. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chema. I've been Eddie. Thank you. you can find our show on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes and other sites. I know because I've been using them at work to listen to our show. <laughs> oh, also, real quick, I want to give a shout out to uh, England, actually. We've been, we've been listened to 14 times in England for some reason. Well, like more than Mexico, actually. That how dare you? I don't know how, but England is apparently our number two after the US. Also, England. shout out to Oregon because for some reason someone has listened to us in Oregon a lot. And Hell yeah, are, we love you. Shout out to Oregon. I love Oregon, man. No one loves Oregon, but we love that. I one. love Oregon. How Let's dare see. you? I Canada, love the Philippines, Australia, Germany, Ireland, Italy, Brazil, Spain. Sweden, the Netherlands, Poland, Austria, Greece, Uganda. No, yeah, Uganda, Turkey, Singapore, South Korea, India, Israel, uh, Hungary, Hong Kong, Switzerland, Ghana, France, Finland, Egypt. These are all people that, these are all places that have listened to us in the past month, by the way. I love Oregon. Oregon's always do everything before it's cool. So you know that if we're cool in Oregon, we're pretty much cool with the cool kids. Also California uh, and Florida. And... Uh, also, Oregon like loves loves dogs. They're very good. They're, all their places are dog friendly. Uh, they love produce. They uh, they're very they're the 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 big bike riders, which I, I you know you know how I feel about that. Gravity Falls takes place in Oregon, so it's all it's all good. Yeah. Fucking love Oregon. Shout out to Portland. Shout out to Eastern. Shout out to the coast. Shout out to the crabs. Christ. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Oregon. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we appreciate all y'all that have been listening to us. I don't know why you listen to us, but I appreciate every single one of you. How dare you? We are so listenable. Are we, though? Are we? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. All right. Ah, okay, folks, uh, thank you for joining us. I've been Eddie. And I've been Chema. And this was The Rollback. 2023 is almost over. Good night, everyone. What?
Anyway, I'm going to cut it at the what. Hell yeah.